Hello, be beautiful. Welcome to It's Time to Be You, the podcast that helps people pleasers take control and finally put themselves first. I'm your host, Ariel Von Bretter, and I'm a recovering people pleaser here to guide you on your journey to stop putting everyone else first and start embracing your true desires. This week, we're going to discuss loving yourself. And I've got a crazy question for you. Do you love yourself more than everyone else? As a people pleaser, your first instinct may be to say, no, of course not. That sounds so selfish. Well, this conversation is going to help change your mind. You'll learn that loving yourself is essential to your journey in recovering from people pleasing. Today, author and speaker Jenna Banks shares with us the power of loving yourself more than everyone else. Jenna shares with us her story of people-pleasing, her challenging upbringing, and how she realized that she had to love herself more to reclaim her power. As people-pleasers, we put so much of our value and worth into how much we self-sacrifice and put everyone else first. Well, it's time to take our power back. In this episode, we will learn a deeper meaning of self-love, what a full power container looks like, and whether or not we should act on our guilty feelings. It's time to love yourself more, and it's time to be you. Jenna, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Before we really get started, will you just tell us a little bit about yourself and who you are? Oh my goodness. Yes. All right. Let's dive in. I'm so happy to be here on your show, Ariel, by the way. I love listening to what you have to say. You're just so open and vulnerable and truly yourself. And I think we need more of that in this world. Thank you. So, so thank you for having me on to share my story as well. Um, you know, a little bit about me. I, uh, you know, I have this book called I Love Me More, and it's about how to find happiness and success through self-love. Okay. But yes, I'm teaching about self-love, but the journey to getting to the point where I am now was quite a journey. And I want to, I want to make sure to frame that it's a journey. And for anyone listening right now, self-love is not something that you can just say, okay, I uh, went to the spa today. Therefore I loved myself. Mm, Yeah. It really is. Yes. That's part of it. Yes. We need to care for ourselves, take care of our bodies, take care of our needs, but it is so much more than that. It, it really is a journey. And my journey to self-love was a long one. It was a tough one. It was a battle to say the least. I started from a place of, you know, I, I grew up very poor as a child, um, family of seven, so five kids, oldest, the, the only child of my mother. So we, there were four younger siblings that were my half siblings. Our home was very strict and religious. Um, uh, and I was not allowed to have my own ideas or opinions. Mm. It was all about molding to the religion that we were in. And, mm. um, and if we didn't, we were deemed as evil, or if we weren't people pleasing, we were selfish and not God-like or Jesus-like or whatever. Yeah. And, um, so I didn't even know who I was much less being my authentic self. Right. Um, and it, I'm curious to know, like, um, when you were younger and you were like in this strict household at the time, did you realize it was strict or were you just very much like in it? Oh no. I knew it was strict. Yeah. (laughs) It felt oppressive. Yeah. It it felt like being in a prison. Honestly, it was a constant source of conflict for me as Mm. even as a kid, 
You know, my mind was very rational and logical and I just did not see the logic in this. It just felt unfair. That's how you think of it when you're a little kid, right? Right. Yeah, of course. I mean, when I was little, 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 of course I conformed, but you know, as you start to get a little bit of a mind of your own, what is that like nine, 10, 11, mm-hmm. especially 12, yeah. it is, <laughs> then you're like, this makes no sense, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And like, when you're really trying to find yourself and be yourself and then to be in an environment where you can't be that at all. So that must've been really tough. It was really hard. And I was you know, I can't get into details, but I mean, it was incredibly oppressive. And so, um, and that leads me into the next part of my story, which is I left when I was 14. Oh, okay. Uh, And I didn't know what would happen. Honestly, it was this jumping into the unknown. I just knew that I couldn't handle it anymore. I Mm -hmm. was screaming on the inside and I thought, I'm going to get the courage. I'm going to stand up to my oppressor and I'm going to, you know, say, I don't want to be here anymore. And I didn't know what the future would hold. I didn't really know what I wanted to do about it, but I, you know, just wanted to confront it. And, you know, that would start really translating into the rest of my life of jumping into the unknown and not being afraid to do it because facing that fear always led to, um, to change. Hmm. And I'd rather jump into the unknown than stick with the the painful known. And, and I think that was really became the mantra of my life. It's like, well, I know what this is. I don't like this. This isn't serving me. I'm not happy. Let's see what else there is. And so I went to go live with my mother at the age of 14. Now, granted she wasn't in my life at all. I mean, I talked to her like once a year prior to that, but I was hoping I could live with her and, Mm -hmm. you know, she did let me come stay. Um, but that was not getting into a better place. Unfortunately, it went from one toxic situation to another toxic situation. Um, and I ended up, um, uh, basically out of there, my neighbors felt really bad for me. I was 16 and they said, Hey, we're moving an hour away. Would you like to come with us? And I said, sure. And, uh, they asked my mother to sign over guardianship and, and she signed it over no problems. And I went to go live with these people and they were very nice to take me in, but man, I had a lot of emotional issues at that point. Um, And so that didn't work out too well. I ended up bouncing around from friends' houses to my grandparents to eventually landing with a a friend of mine I knew in in Florida. So I went from California to Chicago to Florida. Obviously, I'm supposed to be in high school at this point, but that's not happening. And uh, my good friend, uh, her mom says, hey, why don't you come stay with us? And she was very sweet to take me in. Um, but by that time I'm supporting myself. I needed to work full time. I tried to go to night school and, um, I really just had a hard time focusing on school when I could barely keep my own life in order at that point. It was, I was, I couldn't feel anything. I had zero feelings Mm. and, um, I was just not in a good place. So my grandparents came, they, they were trying to help as much as they could. So they got a place in Florida near me. I went to stay with them got my GED, started attending a local community college, but I didn't have any feelings at that point. I didn't feel happy, sad, good, bad. I felt nothing. I was so numb from all the emotional trauma that I started to not want to live anymore. I was going to say of like, I mean, that's just a lot. And I mean, first, like kudos for you for knowing that you were in like these bad situations and you kept being, having these opportunities to go live with someone else and that yeah. take you in. Cause I mean, you know, it's something you said earlier about just like, you know, if you, um, 
like are in a situation that you don't like, then you can just change it. And mm-hmm. like not having that fear. And so many people do have that fear of change that they'd rather just like, well, this is what this is. And like, I know what this is, even though I don't like it. So they stay there and they stay stuck. So, I mean, you were so young and you were, you know, going through all of this. I was just like, how did you keep going? Like, how did you want to make it work? Good point you make, because there are so many people who do stay stuck in these situations where they're not happy and not fulfilled and not living their authentic self. And that's Mm -hmm. all I wanted. And while one situation didn't typically, you know, didn't end up making me happy per se, it was at least change, which gave me hope. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, in the end I ended up being suicidal at the age of 17, just because I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Um, and I just wanted to feel, and, and what gave me purpose was thinking well, I'm going to end my life. I know it sounds weird, but that was what was in my head at the time. So I, I, right. I made a, a few attempts and the last one, uh, I was almost successful. My boyfriend at the time found me convulsing because I'd taken an entire bottle of very hardcore antidepressants. Uh, he called the ambulance. They got me to the hospital. They pumped my stomach and I ended up in a coma for many days. Um, thankfully I did not die. You know, it's part of my story. And I own, I own that, which I think is really important to own your story and not let these, you know, horrible stories own us and have our power. So I, I own that. Fast forward, I ended up getting pregnant at 19, married at 20, and then was divorced, single mom at 22. So now here I am. Now, thankfully, I got my emotions turned back on when I got pregnant. All those hormones came rushing in and I suddenly felt everything very strongly, actually. So it was like the opposite, which was cool because at least I, I had emotion and that grounded me as did my son and, um, gave me a sense of purpose. Uh, and so that was what I needed. And so I'm grateful I got pregnant actually. Um, yeah. And so, and then over time, and then that's where my self-love journey started, you know, it was learning to, you know, I left that toxic relationship. That marriage was definitely not working again, jumping into the unknown, leaving what wasn't working for me became my mantra. This doesn't work. Okay. What else? What else? So constantly just following that hope, you know, like there's gotta be, there's gotta be something better than this. It's gotta be better than this. And starting to, you know, understand that choosing myself and placing myself and my needs and my priorities and my happiness and, um, myself as my priority always benefited me. I ended up realizing that, you know, that what I feel matters Mm -hmm. and I stopped abandoning myself. You know, I talk about this a lot. Um, we as women, especially learned to people, please. And I, myself was no exception. I was the epitome of that raised to people, please, Mm -hmm. um, to our own self-abandonment. Yeah. There's something you said about choosing yourself, what like became your priority. And it's just kind of so crazy to think like, like, why don't we do that? You know, right. like, why is it, it's just like in our nature to people please and to put everyone else's feelings before our own. And then it's just like, you know, our life is kind of like left up to others rather than like choosing what we really want. So, yeah. 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 And yet we don't question that. And this is what I call a social norm. It is something that we don't question. We're raised with it. It's modeled to us by our our mothers, our grandmothers, the women in our lives. And so it just goes unquestioned. Mm -hmm. But what I really aim to do with my book 
and everything I'm doing, my talks and your podcast and, you know, is to shed a light on these unconscious social norms because it's Mm -hmm. time, you know, we are raised in a society that still disempowers women. Mm -hmm. And it's like, why, why, when we have all these opportunities today, you know, you're so young Ariel, and, and you, you, you know, believe it or not in my lifetime, you know, back when I was first born, my mother couldn't go get her own loan for a mortgage. She couldn't get a business loan. She couldn't get a credit card on her own without a husband signing off on it. And even a few years after that, if she went to go get a loan, they would only count half of her income. Wow. Why? Why? Because she could possibly get pregnant. <laughs> and really? that was legal. Yeah. Oh that my was gosh. Legal. <laughs> That's that, crazy. I had no idea. <laughs> most people don't. Yeah. So it's, then that was only in the seventies. That's not that long ago. That's right, in yeah. my lifetime. So it's, you know, it, it, I say that just to just bring up the point that it makes sense given that not that long ago, those things were the norm, mm-hmm. right? That today we still have this, what I call this gap. It's this social norm gap that of all these unconscious things that are passed along to us, just so another thing I want to bring up is that we, we form most of our beliefs from the ages of zero to like seven or nine, right? Yeah. 95% of the, our beliefs about the world around us. This is what a woman is. This is what a man is. This is wrong. This is right. This is good. This is bad. And then we don't question it after that. These mm-hmm. beliefs we kind of think of as fact. And so this people pleasing, sacrificing ourselves, abandoning ourselves is one of these unconscious social norms that are formed when we're very young. And then we kind of assimilate it as a, as part of who we are and we never think about it. Right. Yeah. You know, we don't, it's unconscious at that point. And what I want to do is shed a light on these unconscious patterns that are holding us back as women, because let's look at the true facts of where we are today. Only 8.1% of fortune 500 companies are, have female CEOs. Mm. We've never had a female president yet. Right. Yeah. Do, are we really in a place of equality, like gender equality? Are women really equal today? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's, and- it's so crazy to think of like that certain things were like not that long ago when it feels like, I don't know. I mean, even today it's like so, some stuff should just like have happened. Like the fact that only like 8% are CEOs, like that's, it's kind of like absurd to think, but then it's just also like, that's what I love about like these conversations is just like, there's so much room for women to just like grow and to like take on more positions of like, we've come so far in like a short amount of time, but there's still so much more to do, but it's like, we have so many resources, like we're able to do it. So I love that you're like shedding light on this and like helping people change these social norms. Like this doesn't have to be the case anymore. It doesn't have to be the case anymore. Um, but I don't think we really, you know, it takes being conscious of what it's going to take to get there. You mm-hmm. know, I think a lot of people don't understand 
you know, they might think, well, okay, let's do more DEI initiatives and in corporations, right? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Yes, that's important. Yeah. We need to do that, but that's external. And that's where, you know, my book comes in and the work I'm doing about self-love comes in is the, the external world can only do so much to help us, right? Mm-hmm. We've obviously got so many more opportunities today and more work needs to continue there, obviously, but we also need to do our own work. Yes. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Cause like, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I just like, I cannot wait to have you on the show about, you know, like loving me more. And like, that's the key to like your success and happiness, because I just truly think that like, once we're like ourselves and our best selves and we keep learning and growing, that's like going to have such a ripple effect. So I'm curious, tell us more about self-love and like, what is that actually you'd mentioned earlier about like, it's not just like, I think going to like the spa or whatever and like taking Mm -hmm. care of yourself, like, yeah, that sort of helps, but like, like, what is it really? And like, what kind of impact can it have? Yeah. Well, it's not even self-love it's loving yourself more, more than everyone else, like more than your spouse or boyfriend or girlfriend or more than your kids. And it's not selfish. And that's really important for women to understand because it sounds selfish. Yeah. <laughs> we get this kind of aversion to the idea, like, oh, our loving ourselves first. No, 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 no. That that's just conceited, as selfish, narcissistic, whatever. And it's that aversion that prevents us from practicing it in the first place. Mm-hmm. That's such a, not that's a really powerful to think of that too, because yeah, it's yeah. not just about loving yourself, but loving yourself more. Like, I didn't think about it until you just said it, and I was just like, that's like a huge difference to really acknowledge putting yourself first, like actually first. (laughs) Right. And that's a very good point. You can love yourself and still be everyone's errand runner. Mm -hmm. You can love yourself and still not go for your dream job. You can love yourself and not feel comfortable standing up for yourself, your boundaries, your needs, your wants, communicating those. The key is you have to love yourself more, more than everyone else. You have to stand up for yourself and your boundaries. Stop worrying about taking care of everyone else's feelings and being the nice girl. Mm. We've been raised to be the nice girl, yeah. but does that benefit us? And when we play small, when we don't honor ourselves and our feelings and our boundaries, our true feelings and being true to ourselves, it's self-abandoning. Mm-hmm. And how is that benefiting anyone? And how is that helping us make progress in the way of true equality? Right. So for people listening, they're just like, Jenna, that sounds like outrageous. Like, how can I love myself like first and more? And, you know, like that is, sounds so selfish. Like what can someone do to kind of start loving themselves a little bit more? Mm, Good question. So Here's where I recommend, well, when you start down the path of, let's say, honoring your boundaries, for example, that's one of the areas that I struggled with the most in my life up until recently, I have to say, and yet it's still a daily conscious practice. Why? Because people pleasing, when you're coming out of this people pleasing behavior, it's hard. It's a battle. So for example, I'll give you a story. Yeah. Um, there was, uh, somebody, so I, I was single up until I'd say what, six months ago or so. 
And I was at this restaurant bar sitting with a friend and this guy that we all knew, uh, acquaintance because he's friends of friends sat down next to us and, um, he knew I was single and decided to, uh, but I didn't know him that well. It was just an, I mean, we're friendly, whatever. And so we're all chatting and being friendly with one another. And he decides to put his hand on the small of my back. Mm. Like it was like a boyfriend gesture, like a claiming his territory kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, I said, his name is Bob. I said, Hey, I, I was like, Hmm, how am I going to handle this? And so I, I turned to him and I smiled and I said, Hey, Bob, I'm not your girlfriend. So don't treat <laughs> me like I am. Yeah. And, um, he kind of smiled back and then like took his hand off, you know, and you know, that was me being the nice girl about it. Now I thought I was doing a good job at, you know, protecting my boundaries there. Cause that was a boundary being crossed. Yeah. But apparently it wasn't enough because he did it again, like a couple minutes later. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, okay, what am I going to do? Because, you know, I talk about this a lot. You have to simulate these situations. So the tip I would give is it's not easy, especially if you're used <laughs> to people pleasing, you've got yeah. to forgive yourself. The first step is being aware of a boundary being crossed. Okay. So I'm already now be at this point, I was beyond, obviously that first step, I was aware my boundary is being crossed. I, I tried to stand up for it, but it didn't work. Yeah. And so I'm thinking, Hmm, what, you know, so what am I going to say? What am I going to say now? He got up and left. He had a call or something. And so I didn't have to confront it at that time. But what I, when, you know, in hindsight, and this is the next step is you go back home or when you have a space to think about what happened, think, how could I have better handled that the next time? Yeah. And the truth of the matter was I should have been like, Hey, Bob, don't touch me. Right. What's wrong with that? Yeah. Why would I be worried about being, see, the thing is we think we're going to be seen as a bitch, right. Or as a mean or whatever, but why would I care about how he feels? Yeah. I need to care about how I feel. I need to be my highest priority, right? Like my, my, why would I sacrifice my comfort level Mm -hmm. to people, please to make him comfortable to make sure I'm being the nice girl. So you, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm just like, this is such a good example. Cause like, I mean, it's been a while since I've been out, but it's just so relatable is like, you know, someone touching you uncomfortably. And then it's just like, I think as women, you know, we don't want to like draw attention to ourselves or we just want to like, let it go or whatever. But it's like, no, like you have this boundary and you need to stand up for it. And like, even just like, it's kind of like a small thing, but I can just imagine like the more you stand up for like those small boundaries, like you're just going to get like stronger and more confident. Like when it comes to confronting those things, you said it confident and stronger. And once you get, you know, what happens, I'll give you, I'll tell you also, because I think your audience should also understand the feeling that you get when you actually do it and you do it right. You get a power surge. Yeah. And you, you feel it. And guess what? That's your power. Mm -hmm. That's your power that we've been conditioned to give away because the opposite feeling is when we don't stand up for ourselves. And if we start tuning into that feeling that we get, when we don't do that, it's like a deflation. You feel a little icky, Mm -hmm. you feel a little uncomfortable. You feel bad. That's your power that you're giving away. 
Right. Yeah. I was like, it like eats away at you. Chips away at you all day long. Every little chip like that is so I, I like to ha- I have what I like to call my power container. I talk about this in the book as well. Um, it's some it's a mantra I live by. I've had this for years. Um, and basically it's like Imagine you have this vessel that's in your soul and it's like, you put one hand at the bottom of your stomach and your other hand at the top of your chest area. Right. Mm -hmm. And imagine that your, your power container, when it's full, you feel on top of the world, you feel powerful. You feel like you can conquer all of the things that you set out to conquer. You can accomplish your task list. You feel optimistic about your future. You feel on top of the world. You go out to the grocery store or you're out in the world and you're just kind of magnetizing these people to you. Hi, how are you? You know, you're like, wow, what's happening that that's what it feels like when you are on power full Mm-hmm. And that is that full power container. So what is the opposite? It's you're pessimistic about your future. You feel depressed. You feel drained. You start to, um, you know, you don't, you, you might, you know, for me, when I feel low on energy, I just don't want to accomplish my tasks. My dishes pile up. My closet's messy. I just, you know, I'm not, I'm not on powerful right, and yeah. our goal as women should be, you know, I, I, I did some research for a talk. Um, about how women, I I came to find out that women are averse to the idea of owning the word power or powerful. And I was like, what is that? That is fascinating. So I did my homework, come to find out there's been research done on this and women just shy away from saying I am powerful. They don't want to own that. And I'm like, that is, that's not good. What's happening there and why? Well, we tend to associate it as a masculine trait Mm -hmm. as in having power over other people. So of course, naturally we want to shy away from that because we don't want to be associated with that. Right. But the truth is, and I'm sure you would agree, Ariel, is that we should want to be powerful, right? Like why would we not want to be powerful? And I came to realize that what we need to do is reframe this idea, this notion of what being powerful is for a woman. So we can embrace it and become and be powerful and own that word and say, hi, I'm Jenna. I'm powerful. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that women shy away from the word power. And I, I didn't really think about that before, but I mean, I don't use that word a lot, but I think a word we do use a lot is like to empower women. Mm-hmm. Like we're all about like empowering others, mm-hmm. but like not so much ourselves. Like we don't really say like I'm powerful, but like, oh, I want to empower you. Like you've got it. <laughs> so that's just kind of like where my brain went. But like, how do you like what does power mean and look like to you? It's having a full power container. It's having power over ourselves. Yeah. It's not about power over others. We Mm. need to own our power, this power that we've been conditioned to give away freely to everybody else with no value. Yeah. When we can value our power, then we can fill up our power containers. We need to, we need to keep some of that power for ourselves. And how we do that is through Mm self-love. We value our time and attention. We say no when we feel like saying no, we protect our boundaries fiercely because we feel that power surge when we keep our power 
We yeah. shouldn't be giving it away. Where's the value in that? We're just devaluing ourselves. We're teaching others to disrespect us because we're not respecting ourselves enough. Yeah. We're not owning our power. We're not valuing our own power. When we can start to harness our own power in our power container, that is being powerful. It's not taking anything from anyone else. It's our power. Right. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's really just about us and it's not taking away. Cause I think that's just, I think a lot of times we think, um, if we have something or if we do something that it will like take away from someone else. And we're mm-hmm. always like, it goes back to that people pleasing if we want to put others first. And so I really like that it's focused on, on us and it's like internal and it's yeah. Like you can be powerful. I can be powerful. And like, it's good. Like just cause you're powerful doesn't mean like I can't be powerful. So yeah. It's really not about like having that. power over anyone else or taking right. anything from anyone else. Yeah. It's our power. It's ours. We should own it instead of just freely give it away without any value. Like that's, that's the difference. And that's the work that I'm talking about that we need to do internally in order to step into our power and change this imbalance that, that happened, that's happening in this world that we're living in. That's still happening. Yeah. So do you have, um, I mean, you gave a great example with the boundaries. Like, do you have another example of, just like really using your power of, or how, um, people can like really love themselves more. Like what's another way they can do that. Guilt is another thing that I've done some research on and surprised to find out that guilt is something that doesn't affect men the same way it affects women. Yeah. Even the most empathetic men do not relate to guilt. Really? The guilt that we have. That's right. So this is a woman thing. And I think this is really, really powerful information to know Yeah, because this isn't just, oh, everyone feels this, this, you know, some researchers call this a guilt gap where we will self-sacrifice to the point of depletion and, and actually to where it works to our own disadvantage. Um, even when it, it can put our own health and our lives at risk. Yeah. Uh, there's a study, uh, somebody did at, at a university, um, for something she was working on where she interviewed, I think it was like a hundred p- unemployed people in the local area, men and women. And, you know, they found that women, uh, gave up things like their prescriptions, their health insurance, uh, their things that they needed for their, their really vital prescriptions yeah. to ensure things like making sure their kids had new clothes for the school year. Oh my gosh. Wow. And men didn't do that. In yeah. fact, in a married situation, the woman would, you know, the men and the, the, the uh, husband and wife would agree, you know what, let's let my wife's insurance go, but not the husband's. Mm. We, and if we're not sacrificing ourselves, we feel guilty. Yeah. Even when it's putting our own health at risk. And, Mm. you know, if you really break it down, it's like, do your kids need your mom? Do they need your mom healthy and happy and vibrant and powerful? Or do they need to have the new clothes for school? What really is most important here? Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's just like so crazy to think of that, but I'm just, 
I, I, I could see myself doing that. I'm just like, right. Guilty. We can all see ourselves yeah. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> like guilt is one of the things that like, I really struggle with. Like, I just always feel so guilty if I can't do something for somebody. Cause I just want to help people so badly. But so, I mean, it's just really interesting that you brought that up. Cause that's something I personally like deal with and need to work on of not having that guilt. Like not everything is on our shoulders. Like we think it is. Mm-hmm. That's another thing is taking responsibility for everything. Yeah. You know, a lot of us, especially as young girls, if we grow up in a family where we're the oldest, like I was, I took responsibility for my younger siblings. I took responsibility for so much. And I was kind of relied upon as like, almost like a second mother, if you will. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, I took that, this as a, I didn't realize I had this, but it, it's actually what you call a limiting belief that I took into adulthood that was, I am responsible for everything. Mm. And, uh, uh, I'm not, I had to let that go. I had to really let that go and say, you know what? I'm not responsible for everything and I'm not responsible for other people's feelings. That's on them. Yeah. I'm responsible for me. Yeah. uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think like taking that responsibility is, is something that we all just deal with so heavily and, And then it kind of goes into like, you know, like what you can and can't control. And I mean, there's just so much, I'm just, I'm so fascinated by like the research that you've kind of brought up about how women are just more likely to, you know, be like self-sacrificing and stuff like that. When it comes to guilt, I have some other facts that I think are important to highlight for you, which is guilt come to find out through the research I've done. Uh, talking to psychotherapists and, you know, doing other homework is that guilt is not necessarily like something we should be acting on. It doesn't mean you've done something wrong. And I was like, wow, that's really important because so what it actually guilt is many, many times, and it might be even most of the time is you coming up against a patterned behavior a program mm-hmm. behavior. And if you change, if you try to alter a program behavior in any way, and you try to do something different, this guilt kicks in. So it doesn't necessarily mean you're doing something wrong. It could mean that you're coming up against a program behavior that right. you're trying to do a little differently. And then this guilt kicks in to kind of keep you in line back with your old program behavior. Mm. That's so good to bring up. Cause then that's kind of saying like, if you experience a little bit of guilt, it's like, you're probably actually on the right track by doing yeah. something against what you used to and, exactly. and yourself. So I'm sure like a lot of people, as they start to learn how to love themselves more, they're going to come up against guilt, like time and time again, and they're going to have to work through that until they create like a new thinking pattern. 100%, which is why I bring it up. You see, and that's why self-love is a journey. Yeah. It's a lot deeper than you might think. Yeah. And it and takes a, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> so I was just gonna say it takes a lot of work mm-hmm. and years of work, but it's a, it, it has to be a conscious practice. It really yeah. has to be conscious and you have to set that as a goal. And if you don't, you know, we're just going to fall into these patterned conditions and behaviors and stay stuck in the status quo. If we yeah. want to be powerful, if we want to stand in our power and feel what that feels like to be comp- like truly confident and truly powerful. And, but not even like, let's, let's even reframe that to be emanating love. Mm. 
you know, I, I feel, yes, I feel powerful, but I feel so much love that, you know, and, and, and that love is coming from a play. I have so much more love for everybody else because I love myself so much. You can only love others as much as you love yourself. Mm-hmm. It is so important to pour our love into ourselves. It benefits everyone around you. You have so much more love to give to everyone. When fill up your power container to powerful because your love is your power. That's my yeah. saying. That's actually a saying I trademarked. Oh, I love, I love it. it so much. <laughs> your love is your power. It really is. Yeah. I mean, and I just love that you say it that way. And because you know, I think that we, um, are like people pleasers and stuff because like, that's how we want people to like know us and like us and love us of like, Oh, if we do this for them, they're going to love me. Or like, if I don't, you know, if I set this boundary or if I don't set a boundary and like, let them take advantage of me, like that I'm doing stuff for them and they love me. And like, I can see that also being kind of a fear of like, what, like, what will people think if I set these boundaries or like, will they not like me anymore? But the fact of that, loving yourself more and putting yourself first will actually allow you then to love others more and receive more love. Like, that's just so beautiful. Like, I think that's something really important that people need to keep in mind. Like you're doing this for yourself, but it will really have such a tremendous impact on everyone around you. 100%. I couldn't have said it better myself. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. And so tell me where people can um, purchase your book um, I love me more. Where can they find it and get it? Oh, thank you for asking. It's, it's, I love me more how to find happiness and success by Jenna Banks. You'll find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble target. It's all over the place, but of course, anyone can stop by my website, jenna-banks.com and, and see all the links and get more information. And I have some free stuff I give out there and I have a really cool. I love me more playlist on there with about almost 40 songs that are all about awesome. self-love and all of that good stuff. And, um, so people are welcome to, to to get a hold of that on my website as well. I love it. And are you active on social media at all? Oh yeah. I love yeah. Instagram, <laughs> uh, TikTok, Facebook. Uh, my handle is at jennabanks.0. I'm also really active on LinkedIn for those of you who are more career oriented. Um, I share a lot of great stuff on LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Well, I'm definitely going to put all that in the show notes. People can connect with you and get your book. And I mean, you've just shared so much information already. I'm just like, I know this book is like going to be really powerful. And so what um, message do you want to leave with people today? I would just say, y'all, it's going to be uncomfortable. Just know that it's not, it's so important to understand that this is not an easy process. It can be very uncomfortable to come up against your programs, conditions, and behaviors. Uh, and also that guilt might kick in, but you got to work through it. You got to work through it and, and keep focused and, um, you know, read up, do, you know, don't just, you know, you're not alone. Hey, if you have questions, ask me, I'm happy to help along the process as well. But again, just know that that discomfort and that guilt is normal. So don't let that stop you. Just keep choosing yourself. Oh, I love it. And I did want to ask you, cause you, you know, said that self-love was a journey and do you see it as like a lifelong journey? Like something that you're going to have to choose like every day or is it? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. However, 
when you pre when you program new behaviors, it does become second nature after a while. Mm -hmm. And so I pat myself on the back regularly. I talk about that in my book as well. It's really important to encourage yourself because you're going to be in this battle alone a lot of the way. And it's important to do that because otherwise the inner critic comes up. So that's a way to kind of squelch that encourage yourself, recognize when you break a pattern behavior and you'll start to create new behaviors and those new behaviors will start to become unconscious. So I can say being where I'm at today, I'm so proud of the fact that I battled through the, that discomfort and the guilt and all of that to get to where I am today. And I can confidently say at some point, a lot of these new behaviors will become unconscious for you, but it takes a conscious effort for quite a while to get there. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's just so good to know and encouraging that it will be like an unconscious thing, um, but you do have to do the work to get there. And yeah, I'm just really excited um, for more people to just love themselves, um, you know, and not just love themselves, but love themselves more than other people and really put themselves first. Cause I can just see it's going to have such a ripple effect and a huge impact on you know the world. So thank you so much. My pleasure. So we just learned the importance of loving yourself more than everyone else and that it's not as selfish as we are conditioned to think. It's time to own your power, set those boundaries, stop acting out of guilt and love yourself more. So be sure to purchase I Love Me More and connect with Jenna Banks and all of that information is in the show notes. And as Jenna said, this process is uncomfortable and challenging and it's not easy and you don't have to do it alone. So come join us in the free It's Time to Be You Facebook community to surround yourself with support as you are on your self-love journey and leave people pleasing behind. It's time to be you and I am here for you.